Uh, my name is Tom Frazier. Uh, I'm co-host of the program and co-hosting today with uh, Laura Hunt, who is the uh, program coordinator at the Madison Senior Center, sitting in today for Christine Beatty. Welcome, Laura. Happy to be here. And um, we are particularly pleased today to have um, State Representative Diane Hesselbane with us, uh, who happens to be my, <laughs> my representative, which I'm pleased to say. Uh, and she's had a, a long career in public service. Well, not that long, really, but 2005, she was elected to the Middleton Cross Plains Area School District. Uh, in 2008, was elected to the Dane County Board of Supervisors and served three terms there. And then in 2012, was elected to the State Assembly representing the 79th Assembly District. So she's had a long, long career in public service anyway. And it's, I don't think it's over. Uh, she just said she was assistant minority leader in mm -hmm. the, uh, for the, in the State Assembly. So that's, that's great. She was born and raised in Dane County. Attended La Follette High School, graduated from UW Oshkosh, and completed a master's degree in religious studies at Edgewood College. Mm -hmm. She lives in Middleton with her husband and three children. So welcome, Representative Hesselbane. Thank well, you for being here. Thanks so much for inviting me. I really appreciate this opportunity. And this is where we're going to talk a little bit about the state budget. budget yeah, great. So with Wisconsin's 2017-2019 state budget now being considered in the state legislature's joint committee on finance, what do you see as the big issues in this budget? Oh, there are a lot of issues in the budget. Certainly uh, K-12 funding, university funding is something that's getting a lot of attention. Um, certainly as far as senior beatness, um, people who might be watching back at home, Alzheimer's dementia care specialists mm -hmm. are a big issue. Um, they're supposed to be sunsetting this year. It was a three-year pilot program, so that's something um, we need to keep looking at. But as I've gone to a few uh, listening sessions throughout the state, one of the big issues we hear about is K-12 funding mm -hmm. and university funding and trying to keep our universities top-notch. Right. So what do you think uh, is going on there? I mean, there seems to be some push and shove on what the legislature is going to do with the governor's budget, who he proposed a rather large increase in funding for K-12? Well, we've, no, not really. I wouldn't say he has a large increase at all because he's gutted it for so many years. Right. He's not it's keeping an, it up. Yeah, yeah right. it's a little increase is not going to even get us close to where we were before he took office. Mm -hmm. So um, the people, but you know, the school districts are saying we really would like that per people increase. It does help us a little bit um, because I'm very worried about K-12 and what it's done to the state of Wisconsin underneath uh, Governor Walker. And then also with university funding, there are different proposals. The governor has out possibly a five a tuition freeze and then a 5% cut, um, and also giving the university some funding. As I've toured uh, all these different colleges, one thing I've noticed in our public universities that have nursing um, colleges, Oshkosh, Milwaukee, Eau Claire, and Madison, is we really have a bottleneck of students that want to become nurses, but because we don't have enough trained facility on those campuses, we're not getting enough nursing students through the program to serve the elderly population and the people that need it in the state of Wisconsin. There's so, a shortage there, right? And there's a shortage, particularly because we don't have those slots available mm -hmm. at those four public nursing colleges. Mm -hmm. So I've talked to uh, the chancellor at Eau Claire and at Oshkosh and with uh, Ray Cross about that problem, and they are going to be asking for additional funds possibly to help that nursing shortage that we're seeing all over the state of Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And another biggie is transportation, right? That is a huge issue. I mean, that seems to be maybe among the more controversial issues. It is. And really, since Governor (coughs) Walker and the Republicans took over, they haven't come up with a sustainable plan. They don't want to raise revenue. They don't want to go down the toll roads. They're kicking the can down the road continually so that my, if I'm ever fortunate enough to be a grandparent, their kids, their kids, these generations are going to have to continually pay for just routine maintenance. Um, and our roads are crumbling. You can't drive anywhere, not even just in Madison, but even all over Dane County in the state without seeing what their inaction has done. And what do you think? It uh, seems like even the speaker has some sympathy to raising taxes to do something. I think there is a contingency that is okay with raising the gas tax, like it used to be before it sunsetted. And I think um, whether we can do that, they have to come up. Uh, the governor has made it very clear um, even when Joint Finances was listening to uh, the Department of Transportation Secretary, they, he was tweeting at them, which is a really interesting way to communicate um, instead of picking up the phone. <laughs> We're getting a little used to We're that. We're getting a little used to that, aren't we, <laughs> in the United States? But it was during it, and he was saying he wants to make clear, you know, he does not uh, support a gas increase unless there's a cut somewhere else, which really worries me because the cuts have usually come at the university and K-12 expense. Right. So I'm not sure what they're planning on doing with any of that. But in, in addition to the roads, too, there's the issue of just transportation for older adults in general so that they can get to where they need to be, even for things as basic as medical services. Absolutely. Transportation is a huge, and transit are a huge mm-hmm. issue in the state of Wisconsin. I mean, I heard it in listening sessions in Madison. Mm-hmm. I've heard it in Platteville and um, Rhinelander uh, when I was on the Alzheimer's Dementia Task Force last session. And the issues there around transportation are huge, especially when you're trying to get a loved one to an appointment mm-hmm. and there isn't a taxi service. And then people have said, oh, what about Uber? There isn't an Uber. I mean, there isn't anything. There's no bus transportation in these places. And how do they get their loved ones to appointments? That's been a huge issue for as long as I can remember yes. in aging, because when you go talk to people, it's like, well, you have services, but if you can't get to them, they don't do you much good. Exactly. And yeah. even for our Alzheimer's dem- our, our ADRCs in every single county, some people can't even get dial-up for their computer to get online to figure out, I think somebody has an issue. What is that issue? And how can I even research to find out what that is? Right. If I take my loved one with me to the library, if I have some sort of transportation mm-hmm. to look at that. It's just a real problem that we don't have real good broadband service in the state of Wisconsin for our rural areas. Right, right. I probably shouldn't say this, but I was talking to Lori before and said there really isn't a transportation tax because every time I have my tires rotated, I have to get a realignment. Very, $100. Very $100. Absolutely. So we're all paying for it. Three, three or four yeah. times a year, I, I wouldn't mind paying some gas tax to get better roads so I wouldn't have to have a... Because I didn't used to have to do that. Right. No, We've right. had to do that the last few years. Yeah, you too, have to do it once a year usually, but, but not every not, time. Not yeah. every time. But not every so time. there, there is a, a road tax. Absolutely. <laughs> a hidden one. Uh, so what? Uh, let's talk about. You mentioned the dementia care specialist program. Can you? That's. A, I know that's a big issue for what we call the aging network in in Wisconsin and for AARP. Um, but can you explain what what is going on? with that issue. Sure. So um, this was set as a pilot program three years ago, and they said we're going to fund these specialists in certain counties um, for three years, and it was going to sunset. 
And I think the problem with these pilot programs, they're awful. They always sound really good, but when the funding's cut off and everybody likes that funding and they like what they do, it's a hard sell. Um, I'm really pleased that Representative Rorkast, who is chair of the committee, said he's going to try to fight to get an amendment in the budget so that those positions can keep being funded. Um, certainly, that, there's one in Dane County. Um, that's a... That would be one or two in Dane County. I think I think there's one. I think there's one. Well, okay. I think there's one. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Two, uh, two in Milwaukee. I think so. Then that would continue. That she would continue to be able to work. Um, and it's really nice to have these Alzheimer dementia specialists. And that's what we heard in Dodge County and other counties as well, because it's sort of a one-stop shop. That if you're worried about your mom or your dad or your husband or loved one, you can call on the phone and just say, "This is what's happening," and they can help you figure out where you need to go for a diagnosis, where to go for help, for research, mm -hmm. for your caring community, to have sort of an envelope to say you're not alone. I think uh, my dad had Alzheimer's and we really relied heavily on the Alzheimer Dementia Alliance in Dane County to help my family with those resources and to think of those places being gone in the ADRCs in all 72 counties. Um, that's just that's just really going to be a loss. Yes, well, yeah. One of the things she works on, too, is making the communities in Dane County dementia-friendly yes. and working with individual businesses and places that frequently service mm -hmm. seniors to make them dementia-friendly. And that's an uh, education process mm -hmm. that is finally rolling into in that position now just when it's really in full force. Seems like a shame. Absolutely. And some of the things that they do is they trade, I know they trained uh, people in Walgreens and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Middleton. So I was able to ask yeah. them what do they know. And it was interesting to hear them tell me. But then even those restaurants that you can go, like, I had a hard time going with my dad out mm -hmm. to eat or going to the movies because I often felt like he was going to go to the restroom. And how do I get him from there? How do I explain you know, I need to get my dad? Um, but even when you go out to eat, they'll give you a, they'll give you a menu. And instead of the person with early onset dementia um, would look at that menu and get very confused, do you want something to drink? That's what they would say. Do you want something cold or hot? Really simplifying those questions. So maybe you have a coffee drinker and they say hot. You would say coffee or tea. Um, instead of just saying, what do you want to drink? What's after? You know, they really narrow down and slow themselves down. Right. so that that person um, with the inflicting disease can have a chance to respond. Right. And, and through that dementia care specialist, those servers get that kind of training. Absolutely. Otherwise, yeah. they wouldn't get it. And I have a feeling we'd be going backwards in the state, mm -hmm. not forward. And you mentioned something I think is really important, too, that they are, with the possible exception of the travel dementia care specialists, mm -hmm. which are three of those, I believe, uh, they're all located in the Aging and Disability Resource Centers, ADRCs, mm -hmm. and um, and that's the one-stop shopping for everybody for everything. Absolutely. And so they're connected to, with all of those resources. So it's really it's really a slick way of doing it. It is. I think there are seven or nine that are slated in the Governor Walker's uh, budget. I can't remember the exact number to go away. But um, I know when we had our Alzheimer's Dementia Task Unit, mm -hmm. one of our asks was to actually have more, more, of, um, more of them throughout the state of Wisconsin yeah. because they were just, it was the one thing people were saying, both caregivers when they were testifying in front of us and people in the community. And we even had people um, talk to us that have dementia. I mean, that was a really inclusive moment where they could say what they need mm -hmm. um, and what a gift that was for us as legislators to hear their personal stories as well. Yeah. Just to clarify for our audience, um, there's money for these positions through the calendar year, mm -hmm. 2017. Then there is no money uh, to keep keep them going. 
Uh, and I believe there are actually 19 of them. Oh, There's 16 yeah. in the ADRCs and three in the tribes. Yeah. In three of three of the tribes, so there's really 19. And I know a lot of people in the aging, what people I work with in the aging network, would really want to expand it statewide. Yeah. And, and statewide doesn't mean one in every county, but it does mean something like 40 or something. Mm-hmm that would cover all 72 counties because some of the rural, smaller counties would would share, you know, well, you know, ADRCs are multi-county mm-hmm. in some of the right. rural areas. So that's, you know, that's that's a big issue, and I think um, I think this should be a, a nonpartisan issue, don't you? I think it should be, and certainly when we had a task force, it was nonpartisan. Right. Um, and we worked really well together asking for more respite care for caregivers. That was another thing that we learned a lot about from our Alzheimer and dementia specialists that said there's only so much we can do, but if we could give people more of a break, they could stay in their homes longer, which means they're not in nursing homes, which the government isn't paying for, you know, and all that stuff to take care of the caregiver as well while they're taking care of their loved one. Mm-hmm. So it, it all works together, but yeah. these... Well, and this is, you know, not only the aging population is growing, but dementia and, and Alzheimer's is an increasing... And it's happening younger. And it's happening younger, and... This is just a resource that I don't think we can afford to give up. Absolutely. Because it's not all that expensive. No, it's a lot cheaper to care and um, other, you know, living expenses and things like that. Yeah. Well, if people go into institutions, you know, on Medicaid, it's going to cost way more money than than it does now. And I think that's that's Mm -hmm. one of the things this program does is keep people out of institutions because it keeps people at home. Absolutely. um, Well, I think we're going to take a little break now. Time flies when when you're having fun. Uh, We'll take a little break and we'll be right back. Hello, and uh, welcome back to Senior Beat. I'm Tom Frazier, Laura Hunt, Program Director of the Madison Program Coordinator. I keep trying to promote her. <laughs> we won't tell Christine. Program Coordinator at the Madison Senior Center, and our special guest today is Representative Diane Hesselbein uh, from the 79th Assembly District, talking about the state budget. And uh, during our break, you said you had a good story about something in the budget. Yeah. So last session when I was uh, the vice chair of that Alzheimer's task force, um, one thing I kept hearing about is we don't have any hope. 
um, we don't know there's going to be a cure. And that kept, you know, people just kept saying that time after time. And these are the things we could do as small steps to help those people with this disease, but they wanted some hope. And so I talked with the university, and because of a large cut in university funding, um, the governor's budget that the Republicans voted on last session, it cut the funding $50,000 a year for Alzheimer research. So I spoke with that researcher, and I said, what if we could put it back in somehow? And he's like, well, that would be amazing. Um, and the amount that was cut was only $50,000. So we made a bill for it, um, and knowing that what they could do is use that $50,000 and leverage for National Institute of Health federal money. So it would even make that bigger balloon mm -hmm. for the university. Um, and I learned a lot about how the research is done. What they do is they study the blood of children whose parents had Alzheimer's mm -hmm. to see what correlations in the bloodstream, proteins, all that stuff. Um, and I worked really hard. We passed it unanimously in the assembly, but it did not pass the Senate. And so I tried my best to try to educate those senators um, because at the time there was a push-pull. They, they were upset with the university for a number of reasons. They thought perhaps it was stem cell research. It was not. Um, and I even had a conversation with Governor Walker and said at the time when I wanted this, and he said this doesn't, $50,000, sounds like it's good research. And I said, wouldn't it be amazing if the university system, uh, that I think they came with a cure for polio, wouldn't it be amazing if we could get closer to a cure for Alzheimer's? And so he tried to do what he could to see if that bill could pass at the time, but it didn't, um, unfortunately. So I was really pleased to see he put it um, in his budget um, for both years, $50,000 one year and $50,000 um, the next year, just so that they could target uh, children like me, and I'm not in the research study, although I would if they asked, um, to see what, if they could try to solve the problem. Right. I think it's so admirable that former Vice President uh, Joe Biden wanted to shoot to the moon um, to really try to cure cancer. I wish we could do that same emphasis mm -hmm. for Alzheimer's. I think it's affecting so many people now all over the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see any problems with it this time in the Senate? Do you I think? don't. I think okay. I've talked to Blue in the yeah. face with them <laughs> to make sure they know exactly what the research is and what it can do. Well, I'm now hoping. that it's in uh, the governor's budget, too, it's probably less likely that they're going to object to it. Right. Well, you never know. I mean, who would have guessed that they're objecting to so much in the governor's budget already? Right. I mean, you know, usually they go, you know, lockstep and they agree, but there's been so much, with, whether it be transportation, whether it be the uh, university tuition decrease. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's always a moving target. And, you know, I wake up in the morning and I check social media and other means to say what's happening, you know, that I didn't know about last night that's going on this morning. And like I said before, a lot of this stuff is happening in um, tweets and social mm -hmm. media and just trying to keep a handle on what's really happening in those backyard, backdoor conversations. And you said this passed, when you did it as a bill, it passed unanimously? In the assembly. That's amazing. It did. It doesn't happen very often. All, these, all, our, I think was, uh, all of our bills, uh, the task force passed unanimously in the assembly. The problem was it was about March, and the assembly wasn't going to come in again, and then the Senate was speeding up, so they wanted to end their session. So there just really wasn't enough time between houses to educate everybody on every single thing that we did. Um, and that's where the disconnect was. It was a speaker task force which was all assembly, mm -hmm. Democrats and Republicans, and not the Senate. Right. And I right. think lesson learned, I think, to all of us on that committee is mm -hmm. we have to clue the Senate in earlier with the work that we're doing and what we're hearing in those communities. Right. We also wanted to do, um, which I thought was really neat, there's a toolkit that you can use that they have goggles on and earmuffs on mm -hmm. and things on your feet and your hands, and they kind of simulate that maybe you have Alzheimer's dementia. 
and they tell you, they give you seven tasks to do. They put you in a dark room with these weird goggles on. You can't see. You can't feel things normally. Your feet hurt. Um, and it really feels like that must be what it feels like. And then I was in there with Representative Tittle, and I was supposed to fold socks, and he was supposed to do something else. But it gave me such an appreciation. We wanted every ADRC in the state of Wisconsin to have one of these toolkits. How beneficial if you have a loved one to say, what is it like? If I would have known that's what my dad felt like, I would have been a better helper to my mother and my dad during this time. And so that's something that passed unanimously in the assembly. It didn't in the Senate, but we're still trying to work on getting those toolkits and for every ADRC because what, what, what an amazing opportunity. I've heard that too from other people who've gone through that training and used those toolkits. That is just an incredible experience that will totally change your perspective on dementia. And it's 10 minutes long. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can actually yeah. feel it and you can, it's just so jarring and it's so amazing to realize that's what, and you can't feel that with cancer. You can't feel that with other afflictions, mm -hmm. but to just be able to experience that really is amazing. I'd encourage your, your um, viewers, if they have a loved one, I think we do have a toolkit at our local ADRC and for getting grandchildren to understand maybe why grandma and grandpa, um, you need to go a little bit slower when you talk to them. You can't go back from behind um, just to really understand what that's like for them. That's really eye-opening. Well, there's one other big issue I know about, and that's Medicaid. Yeah. Um, what do you see happening there? I, I think if we can switch gears a little bit, one of my big concerns is the federal impact on the state Medicaid. You know, if there's a block grant or a per capita amount, and of course that failed so far, but. So far, right? <laughs> and we just forgotten though. No, and we keep hearing about these Medicaid block grants, and I really want to give um, the disability community kudos. They've been coming in and educating us, especially those that have uh, disabled children. They've been coming to my office showing pictures, what this would look like for their families, for a respite, for getting them help in the home, how long they've been on wait lists. I mean, the whole gamut they're talking about. And so I would encourage people to keep educating legislators mm -hmm. about how important that piece is to you. And if that went away, what that would look like. Right. It's really important to humanize it. And, you know, I think you mentioned the disability community, but, you know, a lot of people, including a lot of older people, don't understand what a big impact Medicaid, not Medicare, Medicaid, right. medical assistance, has on older people because it's the biggest funder of long-term care. Right. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people don't make that, well, Medicaid, I, I have Medicare, I'm okay. Right. But there's, you know, it's billions of dollars, right. even in Wisconsin, for long-term care for not only people with disabilities, but also for older people who need long-term care. Absolutely. And we have developed, you know, some ways of helping people stay in their own homes, you know, as opposed to going into a nursing home, at least giving them some options. And it seems like to me all that gets threatened, you know. It does. Because we've, in Wisconsin, I, I've sort of, people talk about flexibility. We need the flexibility. Well, we... Almost every Medicaid program in Wisconsin is a waiver program, mm -hmm. which means we have used the flexibility to um, make those programs what we want them to be. Badger care, senior care, family care, IRIS, all these programs right. are waivers, you know, which we have used the flexibility that the federal government gives us. How getting millions of dollars less 
is going to offset flexibility, I don't understand. I don't either, and I agree with you completely, especially Iris. I mean, that's such a great, um, such a great tool people can have to pick what they need. I mean, that they can really say, this is what I need help with, this isn't, and these are the people I want to hire, and then they get to make the decision on who they want to hire in their own home to take care of them. When we say IRIS, it's a self-directed care mm -hmm. program. Most people probably don't know what no, IRIS no. is, <laughs> but it's a, it's a self-directed program where particularly people with disabilities, younger people, yeah. uh, more so than older people, want to manage their own care, hire their own workers mm -hmm. and stuff like that. This is what allows them you know, to do that. Right. I know there was a push in the last year's budget to get rid of, uh, the governor proposed to get rid of virus, and so there was a right. big outcry that's not in this year's budget, so I'm hoping that that will stay. Yeah. But you know, everything's up in the air. To be very honest with this budget, um, I don't have, you know, even if I had a crystal ball, things are changing so quickly. I just don't know what they're going to be doing. I think transportation is the biggest issue, but how are they going to fund it? What are they going to take away? And that's what really worries me, is what are they going to do? Yeah, it's, uh, it seems to be up in the air because at one point there were, uh, you know, Republicans who were in the majority of both the Assembly and the Senate were talking about a base budget. Right. But they didn't go all the way with that, did they? No, they didn't. Um, one of the reasons why base budgets are so popular is because they can start from last year, then they can give, and it's not agreeing with the governor's budget. So let's say, you know, the governor's doing $200 per pupil funding. Well, if they just do a base budget, zero. So if they give 100, gee, that's better than the zero. It's really a political game um, to try to make people look good um, and not really about what's in the budget and what the governor's proposal is versus the legislature. I think the budget will look differently, um, but like I said, I'm not sure how different it's going to look and what they're going to be cutting to pay for transportation. Just quickly, maybe you could, uh, I think maybe what we've skipped here a little bit is the process. Could you kind of tell people where we are in the process and where we're going? Sure. So they've had a lot of listening sessions um, in the state of Wisconsin. Democrats, we've also had our own listening sessions throughout the state, uh, just listening to um, people as well. We've had our listening sessions on Saturdays because that's a day that typically people aren't working. Unfortunately, the joint finance, the Republicans in charge, put them all during the work week. And I think that's very difficult for people to go who are working um, Monday through Friday jobs. So we've tried to listen to a lot of people um, on what they would like to see in the budget, what they like, what they don't like. They start voting. The Joint Finance Committee will start voting in May. Um, we also are in session a few days in May as well. So the Senate will be in to talk about things. So will the Assembly. Um, the budget process is supposed to finish up by the end of June 30th. Um, last session, we didn't. They um, ended up, we, the Assembly and Republicans, we were voting on it, I think, in July. So it's supposed to be done by June 30th. That's the goal, to have it go through joint finance and then both houses as well. So that's the timetable. So even when your reviewers are watching this, they can let us know, email us, call us, what do they need in the budget, what do they see, what are they hearing, um, and we can definitely reflect those values as we continue to vote on this process. So they should continue to give you feedback. Absolutely. Until it's absolutely finalized. Absolutely. And if something comes up mid-May or the end mm -hmm. of May or the beginning of June and they think, oh, my gosh, this is going to affect my family, let us know um, because that's how we can still try to turn things around at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned during these listening sessions or public hearings that, both Joint Finance Committee is having and the Democrats are having. What 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 are some other things? You mentioned K-12 as kind of a big issue that's on funding for K-12 through education. What other kinds of things 
have you been um, hearing? Well, I was at the Platteville um, mm -hmm. hearing, and we had, um, they need a new, I think it's a chemistry building. There's a building there that is very old, and it was all slotted to get a new building. Um, however, it's not just the transportation. People think of the transportation funding as, you know, transportation, and it's just roads. But also buildings. We're not building buildings anymore. So there's a, you know, there's a, there's one in Platteville that they'd like a new building. It was supposed to be built. They've with delayed the, that the UW, system? UW system. They've delayed that project. They delayed another project for UW-Milwaukee. They've delayed uh, some dorms for UW-Eau Claire. They have some students at UW-Eau Claire that are in motel rooms because they don't have enough dorms for them to be in. Yeah. So because it's not just building roads, it's also building up with infrastructure. So our infrastructure, you've got to think of it as both. But because they've delayed these projects for so many years, we're really behind our right. peers in other uh, states. Right. So we had looking at that stuff that's coming up, too. Mm -hmm. People are talking about it. Well, thank you very much for being with us, uh, Representative Hesselbein. We thank really, you for uh, really me. appreciate it. We really appreciate it. I think that we'll end on the note that Laura mentioned. Talk to your representatives. Yeah. Talk to your senators. Tell them what you're concerned about. Because... People like Representative Hesselbein really want to hear from you Absolutely. about what your concerns are, and you never know what's going to happen. So stay tuned, stay aware. Call, email, write, talk to your your representatives. Absolutely. We need more, not less, of that. So thank you again, thank Representative you. Hesselbein. Thank you. And that will conclude our senior beat for this segment, and we'll see you again next month. Thank you. Thank you.